Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the podcast that Meatloaf, R.I.P., Yule Brenner, and the residents of the Shaftesbury Retirement Home do not want you to hear. It's monkeys and playbills, y'all! What a mess! Believe it or not! (laughs) We're going to touch on all of those things in today's episode. Oh, hi everyone. Hi, 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 hi. Hello, listeners. Hi. I'm Paul DeGurse. I'm Jillian Willems. Joining us today is our producer, Daphne Finlayson. Hi, I pressed record to make sure we had something. (laughs) (laughs) And welcome back to another episode of Monkeys and Playbills. We're going to do things a little differently today. We absolutely are, because, Jill, typically on Monkeys and Playbills, we talk about musicals. We talk about Broadway musicals Mm -hmm. that had runs of 100 performances or fewer on Broadway. And what the heck happened? That's not what we're going to do today. Today, we're going to talk about three musicals that had runs of under 100 performances on Broadway. And what the heck happened? <laughs> <laughs> this is a format who listeners of that listeners of the show will recall, will know as a revive or die, mm-hmm. a format that we like to do on this show. But we're changing things up a little bit. Yeah, we don't like to to stay too static here. No, we like to keep improving the show to try to provide the best listener experience for you, dear listeners. We had a conference room table about it. We all sat around. I pointed at graphs and charts and said, look at this line. This line is bad. It It could be better. (laughs) As business people. Analytics. Demographics, (laughs) even. So taking drawing inspiration from one of my favorite podcasts my favorite murder where the hosts tell each other about i mean not their favorite murders because that would be bad but tell (laughs) each other about uh some sort of crime crime of the week about cases that they find especially fascinating yeah i think is probably how it originally started and it's obviously taken on many forms but i really thought that would be a fun way to do this revive or die because you know it's nice to be told about a show and not be the one to find out about it And I love hearing about them from my friends. Absolutely. So that's exactly what we've done. We've each picked a musical. A musical that it seemed like there was not enough documentation for Mm -hmm. to do a whole episode about. Although, to be honest, at least mine, I think we actually could have done a whole episode about it. And I might propose that maybe we consider doing that for the future. But we each chose one. Do we want to say which ones we chose right off the top? Or do we want to go one at a time? Well, actually... Daphne chose for us. That's I true. did. That's, That's true. true. That's very Better. True. Yep. So uh, the ones that we're covering today are 70, comma, girls, comma, 70. Oh, yeah. As if someone were saying to a group of girls, 70, that is the correct number, <laughs> ladies. That's exactly what it means. Oh, great. <laughs> Wonderful. I love that. <laughs> uh, Jill's was Home Sweet Homer. Yeah. Yep. Continuing our long line of, tra- of traditions of, yeah, I guess that kind of rhymes. <laughs> and then mine is Rockabye Hamlet, which I chose because I am a big fan of Shakespeare. And anytime I hear the words rock and Hamlet and Shakespeare in a sentence, I'm like, go on. <laughs> so that's what we're going to be covering today. <laughs> All right. Is there any housekeeping we need to do before we begin? Put your dishes in the sink, everyone. Absolutely. Be yeah, a kind, uh, kind those housemate. bookshelves. <laughs> We're doing it. Maybe, maybe vacuum if the carpets need it. <laughs> All right. I'm going first, right? You're going yep. first. Let me tell y'all about 70 Girls 70. 
70 Girl 70, it's a musical, obviously. That's why we're talking about it. Mm -hmm. Opened on Broadway on April 15th, 1971 at the Broadhurst Theater. Mm -hmm. Um, 35 performances, nine previews. Stars a whole bunch of uh, veteran Broadway actors. Mm. It's uh, it's based on a play. It's based on a play from 1958 called Bl- Breath of Spring by a man named Peter Coke. C O K E or C O K like a like a like a nice like a nice glass oh. of Coke. Oh, yeah, wow. absolutely. Okay, Peter Coke, and it's a John Kander and Fred Ebb show. Yay! It's a show by two of the most celebrated Broadway composers of their time. In my opinion, one of the best Broadway composing teams ever full stop and it's definitely not the last it's not the first time we've covered them on this show we talked about them for scottsboro boys Mm -hmm. and it's not even close to the last either no certainly not two incredible (laughs) broadway composers they really only had like a couple hits i think like two two home runs two home runs and one like really solid hit yes so the two home runs would be cabaret and chicago Mm -hmm. and then kiss of the spider woman was a really solid hit yeah what am I saying? Kiss of the Spider Woman was an enormous hit. It just hasn't enjoyed like the multiple revivals yes. yeah. that uh, the other two did. Exactly. It was a huge hit. There's no denying that. An equally nice show, but not quite as popular as the other two. Yeah. Exactly. Didn't yeah. have the legs, the eight legs that and- it needed. <laughs> the eight prehensile <laughs> legs. And like most of the rest of their catalog, and there's a lot of great shows in their catalog, including Scottsboro Boys, mm-hmm. really never connected. Which seems weird when you think about these composers who like are thought of in history as the successors to Rodgers and Hammerstein, you know? Mm-hmm. I love to think about that. Isn't that fascinating? Yeah. So this is one of their shows that just didn't connect. And it might be because it's about a group of larcenous old folks who steal furs from various New York City stores <gasps> with the intent of using the proceeds from their resale to buy their Upper West Side Retirement Hotel, <gasps> the New Sussex Arms, which is slated to be sold by developers. Oh! Okay, guys, we can save our our retirement home if we just put on one big show and steal just a little bit. And you said one big show because they're old, um, old people living in this retirement home who are thieves and they're also retired Broadway performers. No. Okay, I I was joking because that's a trope. I know, I know you keep on joking and it keeps on being correct about 70 girls, 70. Okay, first of all, before I find anything more out about this show, I just want to say I think I would like it. <laughs> I, I I think, think you I would, would like it. I like this show. This is a very bizarre show. I'll kind of give us a quick rundown through the plot. The yeah. plot's got twists and turns. What? Um, it's definitely not a perfect show, but this is a uh, y'all. This show's good. I oh. think. I think this show might be good. Oh my gosh! <laughs> I love it. Got a revival as specifically a vehicle for older Broadway actors. Yeah, it's, that'd be really nice. Like a, like an Angela Lansbury. Okay, yeah. once again, said as a joke, it has. I'm just going to stop talking. Paul, this is your show. I know. It played in 1991. It had a really nice West End revival. It had a 2006 encores, all of which were really nice, apparently. I bet we could watch the encores. We probably could. This is why I I said, if we like this, maybe we do a whole episode on 70 Girl 70. Ooh. Call back, um, dear friend of the podcast and resident uh, Kander and Ebb expert, Hal Wesley Rogers. Yes! Make a guest appearance. (laughs) Okay. So... Really quick, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go through like the the entire plot. It's a bit mm-hmm. convoluted. It's a bit winding, and there's nothing more boring than just sitting <laughs> listening to someone else crib a uh, Wikipedia summary. But the um, the short answer is the like initial synopsis said it's about this group of retired Broadway performers. They're all living in the uh, the Sussex Arms in New York City. You know, it's that thing of like they call it a hotel, but it's like mm-hmm. that thing yeah. that went in, on in New York 
where it's like these hotels are like long-term residences yeah, yeah, yeah. where someone will be living at the Chelsea hotel or whatever the case may totally. be. Right. Um, so they're living, they all live at the Sussex arms and it's like not in great shape. We meet Ida Dodd is our, um, is our main character. Um, she's um, one of the, one of the favorites at the Sussex arms. Okay. And she um, wasn't able to be admitted to hospitals, even though she's um, very old and sick because she doesn't have enough money. Ah, uh, yes. She goes to a pharmacy okay. and the pharmacist is a dick to her. <sighs> And so she steals a thermometer and she's like, that felt really good. I'm going to keep on stealing and I'm going to recruit all my friends at the Sussex Arms and we're going to go stealing together. So oh my they- God. But this is like actually a huge thing with older people. Is it because, actually? Yeah. It's like a thing where like if you're invisible to society, mm-hmm. you just kind of like, I don't know, start to be like, I can use my powers of invisibility for yeah. evil and then just start. Like stealing stuff, and, and then you're on like, a fixed income. You're probably. on a fixed income, but also <laughs> right? it's like if anyone ever is like, "Hey, ma'am, you didn't pay for that," you can just like play the senility card, Absolutely. and no one questions it. I, I don't know. This is a thing. This is a <laughs> that's, thing that's that so some older people will do for shits and gigs. <laughs> so they um they continue on um stealing bigger and bigger things. They're stealing fur coats. There's um kind of they go through the show as well. This group of um, senior citizens kind of ranting about the state of the world these mm. days. Where um, at one point, at one point they're trying to pull, they're trying to pull a con, and they're trying to get this clerk out of the way um, so they can pull this, uh, pull this con where they're trying to sell a fake painting. Because very quickly they become like Ocean's Eleven style <laughs> oh my thieves. God. Like they um, get really good really fast. But also to get the clerk out of the way, two of the old people, Melba and the Fritzy, sing a song about how the trouble, <laughs> the trouble with the world today is always getting coffee in a cardboard cup. What? They're complaining about disposable cups that used to be better Coffee when you got porcelain mugs. Of all the things that are wrong with the world, that's where we're starting. So about um we're at about the halfway point of the show when the cops visit the Sussex Arms. Yes. And they all um they all freak out. Um so they're like, oh, let's make sure to um pretend to be like really old and not really with it. Yeah. To get yeah, them yeah, off yeah. the um off their um off our scent. Hide your jewels. They uh, they act, they do exactly that. They act like they're deaf and maybe a little bit senile. And then the cops leave and they're like, oh, geez, the cops are onto us. Okay, we have to be careful. We can only do one more heist. Mm. And that heist, I mean, we're only going to steal enough money to buy the Sussex Arms so that it's not torn down. Mm. And how much is that? 70, 70 girls. 70 girls, 70. I guess $70,000 is what they need. Oh, it's $70. Oh. Yeah. So this is like um 98000 Damn. Like from the heights. But it's like 70 girls. 70. 70. Damn. <laughs> $70,000. Turns out the cops weren't actually there to, um because they were suspicious at all. They were just like, oh, we should go to that friendly group of old folks and see if they know anything about the robberies. Mm. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyways, they, um, the last job turns out to be a disaster. They end up going to the International Fur Show to steal a whole bunch of furs. Mm-hmm. Um, they're almost caught, and Ida, our main character... International Fur Show. Sorry, did no one catch that? <laughs> no, I, I did. I'm still hung up on You're Fritzy, just ignoring but... It. Yeah. <laughs> so they, um, they almost get caught, and Ida, our main character, like, heroic sacrifices so the rest can get away. It's like, I'll let myself be captured... Oh. So that they can, um, so that they can escape. The dialogue was probably like, I got you into this mess, I'll get you out. And then she sacrifices herself. Ida gets captured and, um, gets taken away to, um, be put in jail. And before she can get put into jail, she dies. (gasps) What? I swear to God. (laughs) And then the show ends with Ida in the afterloof, in the afterloof. (laughs) (laughs) No, that's staying in, I'm sorry. The show, the show ends. (laughs) 
<laughs> with Ida in the afterlife sitting on the moon. That's where after Loof came from. Wait, okay. What? Okay. okay. I'm saying, yeah, yes. <laughs> Please sitting on the moon watching two of the other, um, two of her colleagues and friends get married. Uh, um, wait, uh, to who? To each other. Oh, there's like, okay. like they have, there's like a romantic subplot of two of these. Oh, you're uh, calling the, the robbers colleagues now. <laughs> <laughs> you guys, they should have called it partners in crime. Aww. Aww. Yeah, there we go. What an oversight. And <laughs> that's um that's how the show ends. Wow. Is she's um Ida's on the moon being like, oh, do one last number. Come on, because they're all retired Broadway stars. Right. So that's seventy girls seventy. They should do this once a year at every dinner theater that exists. Yes, they should. Right. You know? interesting things obviously each production has starred like veteran um stage actors Mm -hmm. of their uh, of their era that's kind of the whole thing of the show is to give these more seasoned broadway actors where traditionally they don't have a ton of really meaty roles written for them which is a huge problem in our industry giving them a chance to really um really shine Mm -hmm. and by like a lot of accounts it, it does that. It's really delightful. During the original production, Broadway actor, veteran Broadway actor David Burns, who was um, one of the members of the cast, mm-hmm. um, died on stage from a heart attack. What? Wait, on stage? Collapsed on stage. Yeah. <gasps> what? Oh, no. Um, and died soon after. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Um, so it's not it's not uncommon. Obviously, it's really tragic and it's really hard. Um, that wouldn't be the worst way for me to go. You know what I mean? If I, I can choose something. I was thinking that. What if you died on the button for a song? Like, on oh, the donk, you just clapped on your... On the donk. Your <laughs> right, you on know, the donk. I hope donk. I go on a donk. Oh. <laughs> I want to I pass away in my dressing room, having just, like, finished a really nice run. Drinking you know what I mean? A having, a, having a scotch in my dressing room after a show. Right. Everyone comes and finds me with my baton in one hand, glass of scotch in the other. That's Aww. wheel me out. Absolutely. Aw, that's kind of, like, beautiful. Sad right. and beautiful. Right. I'm just so intrigued. I have so many questions. I know, right? Who was in the original cast that we would know? Mm. Not a ton of names that I know, okay. at the very least. Um, but I'm also, by 1971, these right. were legendary actors. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure these will mean a lot to a lot of people who have, like, deep Broadway minds. Got right. um, um, So we've, we're talking Mildred Natwick, Lillian oh. Roth. Lillian Roth sounds so familiar to me. Mm-hmm. Lillian Roth is in a ton of things. She did a bunch of movies with Paramount, including um, she's in the uh, Marx Brothers movie uh, Animal Crackers, mm-hmm. which is a big old movie. Right. She's in um, I Can Get It For You Wholesale, mm. which is like Barbara Streisand's um, first musical. Yes. The national tour of um, Funny Girl playing uh, Mrs. Bryce. Oh, Like right. Fanny Bryce's okay. mom. Yeah. Um, and that was this was already following a really successful, mm. like early Broadway and... Um, film career that's so cool oh sure and like all of the all of the performers are kind of that similar that yes. same on um, that same pedigree so like we're talking appearances on i love lucy we're yeah. talking appearances on um in early broadway plays and musicals really before broadway had become codified as what it is mm-hmm. right um but something that was for the time it would have been like what's in a modern equivalent um like it would have been the equivalent of seeing like betty white right sure on, yeah um, start going... stage and screen and then exactly like, like oh that's nice. betty white's only really got the one big thing which was like golden girls right yeah but it would be so exciting to be like oh check it out there betty white's carrying one more show totally go check it out right absolutely or like diane keaton would yes. be like amazing in this musical the golden yeah, girls absolutely. commit a heist <laughs> i want it oh my it. gosh let's bring oh be arthur oh 
Um, R.I.P. All the Golden Girls. The now. the 2006 encores mm-hmm. had um, Olympia Dukakis in it. <gasps> love her. Do you know who Bob Dishy is? No, what a name. Right? <laughs> I love all of the names that you've shared with us so far about this production. <laughs> That's not a leftover from the um, housekeeping bit we did before, yeah. is it? The Dishies? <laughs> um, Anita Gillette, who was in... Um, <laughs> it so fake. Heir to the she Razor was in, Fortune? She was in Bob and Carol Sorry. and Ted and Alice. I know, I just... <laughs> Uh, plenty of really interesting performers totally there's not a huge uh, not a ton of documentation on why it didn't play mm. um in its initial broadway run other than some speculation as to it was um presented very in a pretty big extravagant way in its initial production got it the 1991 west end which had a limited run had like a three or four month run but was very successful um there's like an interview with the director talking about it and um and they speculate that the reason that their production is successful is because it's much more stripped down. They've reduced the orchestration. They've reduced the sets. They've reduced mm-hmm. the cast. Mm-hmm. So if I had to speculate, I would say that it's probably that the original production tried to go too big. Tried to be the like the big old Broadway musical. Yeah. Where it seems like the real charm of this production is these veterans bouncing off each other. You know what right. I mean? Mm-hmm. Like it's, it wouldn't, it's not, I mean, it'd be great to see them dance or really hear them sing or something. But what's really charming is just watching them get them on stage, let them do their thing. And that's going to be charming. Yes. Mm-hmm. And I think, nope, that's not, not it because I also want to just talk about the music really briefly. Yeah. The music fucking rocks. Yes. It's great. It's like fantastic. Candor, Golden Age Candor and Ebb. Obviously not Golden Age Musicals, Golden Age of Candor of and theirs. Ebb. Yeah. Writing really charming music. Really great. I would recommend everyone there. It's really well documented and a really nice cast recording mm-hmm. that I would recommend everyone check out because it's great. I want to encourage theaters across the country and the world to do this show. Yeah. I want to work on a production of this show. I can already think of many um, performers I've worked with who are of this um, of this caliber and of this age at this point yes. who I would love to see and we should consider doing it as a community. Can you name some... So you mentioned Coffee in a Cardboard Cup. 70 Girls 70 is also a song. 96,000. Exactly, yeah. exactly. 96,000. <laughs> um, it starts with a song called like Old Folks. Okay. Which is all of them being like, we're old folks. We're old. This is what we do. We used to be on Broadway. Now we live in the Sussex Arms. Or something. Or, or something. something. Yeah. There's a song called Go Visit Your Grandmother. Oh, that's cute. Which I um, which I didn't have a chance to listen to in my um, dive on this. But right. I can um, I can parse what it yeah. is. Yeah, I, I definitely will. <laughs> There's a really nice song um, between the um, the two lovers in the show called um, like Dewey. Aww. Which it's all it's all very nice. it's very nice and very cute. It's I a, like that. As a as a very forgotten Candor and Ebb show. I think it's fantastic, and it always blows my mind. Same as like with Scottsboro Boys, where it's like I feel like a lot of the time producers are like, "Where's that? Where's that? Um, that show that no one ever does? Where's the mm-hmm. hidden gem?" And they're right here, and they're all written by Candor and Ebb. Yeah, like these are the hidden <laughs> gems. You know what I mean? Just check them out. Do that, or yeah. do Scottsboro Boys, or like, I don't know. I haven't checked out Steel Pier yet, but I bet it's great. Yes. So I'm happy to say, for our first reviver die, if the question is for seventy girls seventy, do we revive or do we let it die? <laughs> um. I think you got to revive it across Based the board. Based on your, you've really sold it to me, but mm. I also think it sounds incredibly charming. Yeah. And knowing Candor and Ebb as a composing duo, I trust that they would not mislead us into a terrible, terrible show. It's like, it does seem like the kind of thing that would make like the perfect Broadway fundraiser. Yes. yes. Like you get a bunch of like veteran actors together once a year to raise money for some awesome cause. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, like, oh my God, I get to, why, I don't know, I'm just stuck on Angela Lansbury. Angela Lansbury yeah, is going to be yeah. in this production. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Sutton Foster in old age makeup is going to be in this ha! production. I yeah. just, 
etc etc but like patty yeah. lapone is patty the- getting there she's you know? like yes. playing um playing uh, joanne in uh company these days For right the yeah. second time that's right. Yeah, that's what she said. <laughs> Joanne at any age. Yeah. But truly. Yeah, right. like I just think yes. that that would be delightful. And also one of my favorite tropes is like the veteran anything coming back for yeah. one last one night, one... thing. Yeah. So there's like, this wonderful meta level of like <laughs> these actors themselves coming back for a one night only thing. I just, I, I love that. Yes. <laughs> so that's 70 Girls wow. 70. What a way to begin. Yeah, I thought so. Hey, what a beautiful, a beautiful, sweet show. Very... Like, it seems very farcical, very, like, laugh mm-hmm. a minute. There's lots of, oh, this heist didn't go as planned. And I think that sounds very charming. <laughs> well, thank you for that. Yeah. What about Home Sweet Homer? <laughs> oh, my gosh. Okay, before before I begin, <laughs> I would like to ask a question of Daphne. Yes. What? I'm curious, and this is not... I'm not trying to be sassy. I actually want to ask you why you picked this for me. Like, because you picked only based on the name pretty much, right? Pretty much only based on the name. And also just, I have just so enjoyed our foray into the men's name (laughs) Broadway cinematic universe. Yes. Uh, So it was like partially random, but also just like, I just, I want to know what's going on here. Like what else? Oh, like Hurry Harry and yes. Happy as Larry. Happy as Larry. Yep. We've got it. We've got it all. And now yeah. we're gonna talk about Homer, yep. not that Homer. Well, it's not, a Homer. Not that Homer or that Homer. Well, it's the first Homer. The OG not Homer. Not the cartoon one. So it's not Homer Simpson, but it is Homer, the Greek poet and author. Uh huh. All right, so there that you makes go. Sense. <laughs> of course it is. All right, everybody, here we go. Home sweet Homer. I hope you're still with us after this. <laughs> So previews began for this play. Um, it ran at the Palace Theater. So previews began on Boxing Day, December 26, 1975. It opened on January 4th, 1976 and closed on January 4th, 1976 yeah. after 11 previews and one performance. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's, now that's it, not too many okay. performances. Well, it had out-of-town tryouts as well. Right. And I can't remember where they were, but we'll kind of get to that because sure. that's some of what I think the catastrophe surrounding this production are. Okay, so I pulled a synopsis off Wikipedia because surprisingly, there's not a lot of information in the world about this show. Wow, I'm so surprised. So Wikipedia says, originally called Odyssey, which is a way better name, by the way, but Mm -hmm. in the 70s, we wanted quippy things. And we want to know that the name of our main character (laughs) is the title of the show. Um, So originally called Odyssey, it is one of the most notorious flops in Broadway theater history. Loosely based on Homeric legend, it Mm. focuses on Odysseus and Penelope awaiting his return to Ithaca. Mm -hmm. So it's like the Odyssey. Yep. Great. I love the Odyssey. Once again, we're getting to this whole like Greek chorus thing. Yes. What is going on? Um, This recalls the movie, um, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? Which is like an Odyssey adaptation as well that I think works really well. I'm trying to front load this because I get the sense that Homer Sweet Homer is not good. So I'm trying You're to try- put Ooh, as much good art into the world yeah. as possible. <laughs> so a lot of the members of this team are also members of the team that brought us Man of La Mancha, Ooh. which was incredibly successful. Twenty Over 2,600 performances, I think, in the end. And this would have been about 10 years before Home Sweet Homer. Very interesting. Mm-hmm. Yes. So the music for this was... Written by Mitch Lee, who, okay. yes, wrote Man of La Mancha, but yep. also had no other really successful no. shows no. after Man of La Mancha. So, but he wrote yeah. Dream the Impossible Dream, and so he never has to work again in his life. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Uh, so the book was by Roland Kibbe and Albert Marr. 
Okay. So Albert Marr, you're going to hear of a lot yeah. uh, when I talk today because he also directed it and he did the musical staging of this. So he was busy on this production. Um, so Roland Kibbe, one of the book writers, was an Emmy Award winning writer and he worked on like Columbo. Oh, wow. Which I thought was kind of cool. Yeah. Sure. So he worked on Columbo and did a few other like TV shows. And I think mm-hmm. he had two or three Emmys or something, which I think is so interesting. We've had a few TV writers mm-hmm. on Broadway flops in the past. I know there was one that was on um, Margaritaville, but I can't remember what it was now. Yeah. It was the guy from uh, My Name is Earl or My whatever. name is Earl. Totally. Right? Yes. And then his name, but... American Psycho was um, the guy from Riverdale. Yes. Oh, yeah, that's right. And I, I just love doing these comparisons of like, is that how people felt then? Like, what was, yeah. how was Columbo regarded versus how Riverdale's regarded sure. these days? You know what I mean? Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. I wonder what how that would change the, right? like how some context would change the way we would I feel wonder. about that. Hmm. Okay, so anyway, so yeah. wrote, wrote Columbo. Okay, and then Albert Marr yep. w- directed Kismet. And, oh, interesting. and won whatever the Tonys were called before the Tonys. It was called some, it was like some other random award, but he, he won that for Kismet. Very good theater award. Good job theater award. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, also directed La Mancha, for which he won a Tony. They were called the Tonys by then. Great. And <laughs> I think that was only a year after Kismet. So that was a pretty <laughs> quick shift. Um, and then he was also married to our star, Joan, Joan Diener which is kind of amazing. Saucy. So there's a very connected group of people here. Mm-hmm. Very, yeah. Lyrics by Charles Burr, who shares um, the same name as like a, uh, what are they called? Like a jockey, like a horse jockey. Sure. Uh, yeah. So I was, he was hard to track down in terms <laughs> of like information about yeah. him. But I think he was like a radio guy. Did you try looking up Charles Burr, sir? I mean, that depends. I, pardon me. We're, we're Are gonna, you Charles Burr, sir? This gonna, is the second Lin-Manuel I was just going to say, I'm going to try to keep on bringing back Lin-Manuel yes. r- lyrics now. Hey, we're going to try to do that for Daphs as well. <laughs> Charles Burr, no horse. <laughs> <laughs> um, so he was like a radio guy. I found it interesting that his job was to write the descriptions of the music and the artists for the back of like the album oh. covers. Oh, that's so funny. But he did the lyrics to this play. So now I'm like, oh, wait. What a what? weird <laughs> job you were given. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then Foreman Brown was, uh, I believe, a puppeteer. Oh, and great. I think so. Like a puppeteer and a uh, writer as well. Are who, there puppets in the show? Well, not that I could find. Find, but I wouldn't we, like surprise. Like what we have to assume if there was, or was he? Is he? No, he was doing the lyrics. The oh, I see. <laughs> yeah. If there's a puppeteer on the show, y'all, there's got to be puppets. Well, but no, I'm yeah. just <laughs> <laughs> your mistake. Yeah. yeah. Um, music direction by Ross Rymuller, MD for Gigi in '73, and then Porgy and Bess in '76. But other Great. than that, no Broadway credits. But sure. I'm sure a that's a nice little Broadway career. I yeah. Think if, yeah. And then the music was orchestrated by uh, Burl Red who orchestrated Violet and also Caroline or Change. Oh, interesting. Yeah. I'll mention that I was only able to find one song. Okay. Okay. I imagine this cast album exists as maybe a record. Yeah. Somewhere. Mm-hmm. But I just, it's not on YouTube. It's nowhere to be found. I found one audio clip from of Joan Diener singing yeah. whatever ballad from the show but it was very clearly like recorded in the space yep it wasn't a a special studio recording but was there a studio recording made not that i could find very interesting which would make sense as well if it was no success like yeah 
the same deal as um, Lestat or something that we covered where they just didn't even get around to making the studio recording. Totally. Yeah. So my understanding is that the majority of the budget probably went to hiring individuals, but also the design. Sure. Now, I can't prove that because I couldn't find any pictures of the set. Yeah. <laughs> but I saw some of the costumes that sure. were very ornate. Mm. Like, is it, is it set in ancient Greece? Like, yeah. It's got, they've got like tunics on sure. and like, and lots of, but it's like very jewel heavy. Okay. Like there's sure. gems all over. And I'm like, that's not very practical. Like no. I, like if I were living in ancient yeah. Greece, I probably wouldn't have like jewels on my clothes. And also when I think of like a big Broadway musical, I think, well, I guess like Forum does that. Funny thing happened to the way in the Forum. But like mind, in a tongue in cheek way. In a tongue in cheek way. Yeah. Like, I was like, this is very, to me, like a, they're taking it so seriously. Right? Yeah. 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 Oh. Howard Bay yeah. did the design, and he has hundreds of credits. I'm not kidding yeah, you. Totally. Hundreds of design credits, both lighting and costumes. Great. Uh, or sorry, design. Yeah, all of it. Costume, lighting, and scenic design. Like, Every element of all. theater, he's um, he's in there. Yeah, he's touched any sort of design side mm-hmm. of things. Um, like Pal Joey, the original oh, yeah. music man. Wow. Showboat. Like, this is a very mm-hmm. busy So he's not person. fucking around. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm found a little bit of sort of like trivia on the Wikipedia page that would maybe help us understand love it. what was going Great. on. Because like, what's it? Is it literally just like the Odyssey? Yeah. So we've got like the Cyclops and the Sirens. I and guess. I guess, right? I, I could not find like anything. Great. So we've adapted the sprawling, the famously sprawling epic, the Odyssey. Yeah. <laughs> what went wrong? <laughs> what could go wrong? What could possibly go wrong? Um. So the they did like a tour it says. Yeah. So I'm assuming this was like an out of town, like a couple stops, mm-hmm. like a couple cities before they went to New York. Mm-hmm. And I guess the contracts had all of this kind of built into it. Sure, so everyone sure. was expected to be part of it for a long time. Yep. So it says here, the tour was plagued with problems from the start. Both Brenner and co-star Joan Diener frequently were ill and missed performances. In April of 75, this is almost a full year before it opened on Broadway, by the way. So in April 75, the two, together with Diener's husband, Marr, Albert Marr, the director slash everything in this. um, Albert Marr, sorry. (laughs) For the record, Paul is currently looking around, beaming with pride at that really funny joke he just made. Anyone? Anyone? There's nobody else in the room. (laughs) So uh, that April, it says the two together with Diener's husband, Mart, and Brenner's wife, Jacqueline, filed a $7.5 million lawsuit against Trader Vic's in Manhattan, alleging that short ribs they ate there shortly before the start of the tour were poisonous and had left them ill, weak, and infirm. laugh but it just seems so ridiculous That's so funny That's it just very seems funny. so ridiculous so everyone was sick and by everyone i mean the two stars of the play were sick from the beginning well then also what's the the law like i know even if it like food poisoning sucks yes yeah but it's like a 48 hour ordeal you know what i mean your body just voids it all and then you're unless good. it was like there actually were poisoned prolonged yeah. like health problems due to due which to can some happen bad short ribs i but, guess so sure fair enough but like I don't know. It just seems so extreme That's to me. So I don't like, know. That kind of food poisoning is extremely rare. Right? Trader Vicks. Or like medium rare, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I think extremely rare was the problem. Yeah. <laughs> so 
the other thing I'll bring up, if you, and I encourage you to both Google mm-hmm. the image search this, because yes. it'll be a lot of pictures of, oh, some drawings and yeah. illustrations for the poster, blah, blah, blah. Totally. Yeah. But then there's a, like a playbill cover. And I don't know if it ended up being the Broadway playbill cover or maybe the tour, like a touring mm-hmm. program, yep. but it is like a sexy cover. It's like a ghost kind of sexy is cover. Is show sexy? I want... Well, and then I wonder, okay, it, it must be like sexy. It looks sexy and serious. So, oh. Daph, I don't know if you're able to find Jesus. Home Sweet Homer. Okay, for the record, uh, what I'm currently Googling, it appears as though uh, DuckTales did an episode of the same name. Oh, sure. Uh, oh. In which Scrooge appears to be embodying uh, Homer's Odyssey. <laughs> so, Was it an adaptation? Uh, yes. <laughs> Loosely. I mean, I'm only just looking at like, I mean, what of appears whole, to be. Of the musical. Like a like a sexy pig lady, but th- there's just a lot happening here in my Google search history. There is almost nothing I am less interested in than a serious, sexy Odyssey musical starring Yul Brenner. That sounds horrendous. <laughs> but he was like hot for the time. Sure, okay, fair enough, fair I enough. I think, like yeah. maybe. So there is this this sort of t- illustration that we see, right? The sort of classic. Um, what's his name? Who's that artist? Al. Um, it's like the like the Sardis characters, right? Yeah, yeah, yep, yeah. Totally. So there's that imagery, but there's also this really, really sexy. Oh yes, I'm looking at this now. Yes. Yul Brenner looking all Vin Diesel. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. And Joan Diener is like so hot. Absolutely. Like, look at them. Like, like that could be the poster for Fast and Furious 10. Right. Absolutely. Okay, so for those of you listening to this audio-based medium, uh, Yul Brenner <laughs> and Joan Diener are like. Like doing the kind of almost kissing thing where they're like in each other's arms and like panting yep. heavily in each other's faces yep. and like staring at each other's lips. And you're like, okay. Can yeah. We, when this episode drops, can we maybe like post this, post that poster on sure. our Facebook yeah, or something on totally our Insta? Should. Yeah. So it was, it that's was a very the, that's sexy That's the opposite image. of what I expected. I was expecting like a laugh a minute Odyssey farce. Yes, absolutely. So um, I thought that was really interesting that's to see something that sexy associated with a show I Absolutely. just didn't think would be that sexy. Nope. <laughs> um, so as I was researching this show and I was on YouTube listening to that one clip, I did what I always do, which is look at the comments because yep. there's actually a lot to be gleaned from YouTube comments. There's the the people who are much bigger, have much bigger Broadway minds than we do, throwing out like hot takes left yes. and right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So this person, Mr. Peter Devine, had a hot take as a person who actually saw the production. Yes, Peter. So Peter wrote uh, in the comments, one had to see the show to understand why it did not work. An operetta score fighting with a light musical comedy book and one of the worst sets I've ever seen in a major (gasps) musical. The show died on stage, never came to life. Russ Thacker and Yule had a duet that was the highlight of the score and the show. So thanks, Peter Devine, for helping us. It's so interesting because when I think of when I think of um, Man of La Mancha, I do think of a a musical comedy that is like almost a takedown of the epic of an epic story. Yes, and it seems like that's what some people thought they were doing here, mm-hmm. but other people thought they were just doing goddamn Les Mis. Right, mm-hmm. right, yeah. yes. So anyway, that was interesting. And then I looked up the Tonys. Yep. for seventy six, right. just to contextualize. Does yep. anyone have any thoughts about what they think? Might have been the In big winners. 76, uh, Chorus Line. Exactly. Yep, absolutely. So, yeah, co- Chorus Line. We said at the same time. You did. <laughs> <laughs> if the timing was off, that's purely a glitch. Yeah. <laughs> I knew it, and I said it before Paul did. That's... Yeah. So, <laughs> so Chicago was also nominated that year. Sure, yep. So 
those were like unique productions. Yep. yep. They weren't sort of like a rehashing of old formats either, which is nope. something that I think this probably was, yep. like you were just mentioning. Absolutely. This sounds very dated for 76. Mm-hmm. When you consider that this is, like Chorus Line is presumably down the street. Right. You know what I mean? Yes. And it's at the time such a fresh contemporary take on the industry and um, is like these, it's like just one step away from being verbatim theater mm-hmm. and everyone's like, what? This is so cool. <laughs> right. And this is maybe in 65. You know what I mean? I know. It's just going to yeah. say it's like 10 years too late. Yeah, absolutely. Ugh, anyway, oh, I wish I so had funny. a little more access to the sounds of it, but I also sometimes, maybe, maybe I wish I don't because I don't. Maybe I don't want to hear it. Maybe I really maybe I would I want to just love to. Pretend. If anyone, I know like, some I of know. our listeners are um, like big archivists. If anyone has any kind of um, documentation, be it a score yeah. or an archival or anything of um, Homer's Home Sweet Homer, I'd be very interested. Send it to Paul, but not me. Please. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> yeah, you can. You check out Seventy Girls Seventy for a while. Yeah. I want to check out Home Sweet Homer. That's good. <laughs> Well, that's really all I have. I'm sorry I don't have um, <laughs> no, much more incredible. than that. But did I think it, it's... did it take any other noms in the in the? Oh no, 20s? God no! no. I mean, they ran one performance. I feel like you blink and you'd miss that it that's even happened so in the city. Fascinating. So yeah, I feel like their big mistake was right off the top is like the name. <laughs> you've got the author's name, but not the name of the story. You know what I mean? Right. Which like, is interesting because like yeah. looking at the Yule Brenner, um, like the sexy cover. It's called the Odyssey on that playbill cover. Is it actually right? Which I think makes a lot more sense because, a, like, right off the top, the title makes me think of going. We're going in for a farce. Yes, exactly. And said we're not doing that. Now I'm very confused. Yeah, and it turned is on. So weird. <laughs> Incredible. Well, Thanks, pals. For oh, listening. um, would you revive or would you let it dive? Uh, let's just let it. Let's go ahead and dive. Let it dive. Let it dive. We don't it need dive. it. All right, Daff. Yay! You're up. All right, so I'm going to take you back to the year 1582. That's way too far back, Daphne. New York doesn't exist. Musicals don't exist. No. Okay, I'm doing a thing here. (laughs) Okay, so the original title for this show, Rock by Hamlet, was Kronberg 1582. No, it wasn't. I know this show. This is the show that they just put up a couple years ago at Charlottetown. (laughs) I'm getting to that, Paul. You have people have no respect for narrative flow. (laughs) Okay, go. (laughs) Okay, so it was originally commissioned by the CBC under the name (gasps) Kronborg 1582. And then for some reason, who can say, was changed to Rockabye Hamlet, which is a way better title. Oh my god. Uh, I mean, it does roll off the tongue. And also, I don't feel like I'm watching, like, a sci-fi epic oh yeah yeah, yeah. or like watching like a david cronenberg special i don't know uh but oh, it was also known as uh something's rockin in denmark ah! which oh, i think uh... is a wonderful <laughs> title oh that's this is this is amazing already <laughs> so funny <laughs> so something's had... rockin in the state of denmark it sure oh. is so if denmark's rockin don't come and knockin and it seems like very few right. people did because it opened uh so first preview was january 26th 1976 it opened February 17th, 1976, and it closed on February 21st, 1976, after 21 previews and seven performances. Woo! Ooh. That was, like, right after my yeah. show. Yeah. So... Wow. Right at the same time, Home home Sweet Homer and Rockabye Hamlet. Oh, <laughs> Playing across the street. So, I can't find a lot about the actual plot synopsis. I'm assuming because 
It's Hamlet. Right. And right. for those of you who don't know Hamlet, uh, the Prince of Denmark, Hamlet, his father, who is the King of Denmark, dies under mysterious circumstances and his uncle marries his mom. Uh, the uncle, Hamlet suspects, has killed his dad. Turns out he's totally right. His dad comes back as a ghost to confirm this. <laughs> and his dad's like, Hamlet, you should totally kill your uncle because he killed me. Avenge and- me. Avenge yeah. me, Hamlet. And Hamlet pretends to be a- suffering a mental breakdown and then is actually suffering a mental breakdown. And then by the end of the play, everyone's dead. Yeah. Uh, that's my plot synopsis for Hamlet. Totally. Watch uh, the Kenneth Branagh movie. Watch the Kenneth Branagh movie. Watch the 1994 adaptation starring Jeremy Irons, Matthew Broderick, uh, and James Earl Jones. Also, because I don't think it's possible to be um, in Winnipeg and not mention this, Keanu Reeves came and played Hamlet at yes, the Royal Manitoba Theatre Centre yes, right he after did. he made Speed. Apparently he didn't shower much, but he's very nice. That's what I understand. Is <laughs> As a segue to that, uh, the poster on Wikipedia tells me my favorite fact about this show, which is that it had a revival in 2014 that was directed by Pep Speed. That's the name? Pep Speed. That sounds like a children's is movie. It's the, <laughs> the first name. It was directed. That's the director. That's a person's name. <laughs> by Pep, Pep? Speed. Is the first name Pep? Yes. And the last name Speed. Yes. Pep Speed. <laughs> I Not love that. Not Pepsi. <laughs> <laughs> Pep Speed. Okay, so this show has actually done pretty well for itself. It's gotten a number of kind of revivals. So like uh, 1981, 2008, 2013, 2014, mm. 2017. And something that's kind of interesting about it is that it does, it's staged as a rock concert. Uh, and the original production was choreographed by Gower Champion. Oh, amazing. Okay. Other notables in the cast include Beverly D'Angelo as mm-hmm. Ophelia, Larry Marshall as Hamlet, mm-hmm. and Meatloaf as the priest. Yay! I did not know that. Yeah. Meatloaf was in the original Rock yes, My he Hamlet. Was. Meatloaf, rest he in was peace. Indeed. Oh, see, that would actually be... Okay, I'm actually falling in love with the idea right? of this show as you talk about it. And, like, the, the fun thing is that the uh, production by the Ophelia Theatre Group, whose poster is on um, Wikipedia... Pep Speed. Pep by Pep Speed. <laughs> uh, they made the decision to frame it as, like, um, a group of players who are putting on the yes. story of Hamlet. Love that. Which is kind of nice, because it plays really nicely with the stark um, production that was originally done, mm-hmm. where really is just like a rock concert with very minimalist set really just incredible costumes if you look on on, uh, playbill.com they have some incredible archival photos of like this glam rock phantom of the paradise freddie mercury kind of costuming it's it's very impressive but yeah the set is like nothing it's just like straight up a rock concert in the 1970s yeah, so it's done pretty well for itself. It got uh, a minor cast recording. Unfortunately, not a lot of members of the original cast are on this recording. Mm. We've got Rory Dodd, who played uh, Horatio in the original production. And also a song uh, on this album is by the Irish Rovers. Oh. oh yes. Great. Interesting. What a variety. Notable songs uh, on the original song list are, uh, Have I Got a Girl for You? <laughs> yes. Uh, <laughs> I got a girl for you. Wait till you, you meet her. her. Oh, wait, no, you. that's company. Oh, boy. <laughs> oh, boy. The wart song? He oh. got it in the ear. Yeah, he did. Hey! He got what in the ear? Exclamation mark. Hey, dot, 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 exclamation mark. Hey. Does that come just before he got it in the ear? No. Is that him getting it in the ear? (laughs) Hey. (laughs) Uh, Your daddy's gone away. The Rosencrantz and Guildenstern boogie. Of course. (laughs) No, it's not. That's the act two tap number. Oh, that's so funny. It's got to be an act two tap number. (laughs) Yep. And 
uh, Sword Fight. That's just the name of the song is Sword Fight. Wow. And I think that's delightful. I'm into this. Yeah, it's just like the information I've been able to find on it has just tickled my fancy in the most delightful way. Uh, I think also this show just lends itself really well to multiple revivals because like it's Hamlet. Who's going to mm-hmm. stop doing Hamlet? Right. Now there's yeah, a rock yeah. element. Great. I'm interested. Yeah. And you don't have to pay anyone royalties on, on Hamlet. Like, you you have, you have to pay some royalties for like the songs, for sure rock, for yep, the but, songs. Yeah, but I just mean like that would, when did, you're creating yeah. a a show that is a riff. They on, didn't have to pay yeah, any royalties to, to adapt the story. Exactly. exactly. So that opens them up for a lot of Absolutely. like possibilities. Yes. So the book, music, and lyrics all written by the same person, Cliff Jones. And because they did do a cast recording, there are a couple of songs available on YouTube. Yeah. And from what I listened, it's like very like emo 1970s rock. Love it. Yeah. Which works so well for hamlet because he's a sad sad little boy yeah so i'm i'm kind of loving everything i've learned about this show uh in the best way possible because i think a glam rock version of hamlet sounds freaking delightful yeah and yeah so that is that is rock by hamlet that is that is thank you dragons i (laughs) i did not realize um when i was like absolutely you should um you should review this one daff that rock by hamlet was the musical that became Cronenberg 1582 or whatever it is yep. at the Charlottetown Festival. Do you remember this in 2017 when no. it was? I was keyed into this at this time. I think this was I was I was spending a little more time in Toronto than I do nowadays. Oh, yeah. So I um like had this happening because everyone was like buzzing about oh they're doing this they're reviving this super old obscure Canadian musical and they're bringing it up at the Charlottetown Festival and they're gonna like punch it up and make it great and yep. we'll see where it goes and then it never went anywhere. Wow. Why doesn't this show go anywhere, Daph? I this is what I can't, I couldn't find any reviews I couldn't find any like yeah. critical reception so I'm I'm a little bit at a loss to be honest as right. to why this like it seems like it's gotten revived a bunch of times but like it hasn't really seemed to like find its footing as like oh dang Rockabye Hamlet's in town like right. taking the its place beside Jesus Christ Superstar mm, and like chess yeah. and stuff that like as the 1970s rock opera you know yeah. yeah well the other thing that I'm not clear on just based off like. The fact that it is a Shakespeare adaptation is like how much of the Shakespeare is still in it. You in know terms what I mean? of the dialogue and stuff. Yeah, and okay. so like I I can't really find anything about like okay, so you've got all these like original songs. How did that play with either completely rewritten dialogue or Shakespearean text? Because mm, if yeah. I had to wager a guess, I right. might say not well. I'm virtually certain that someone listening to this show saw the 2017 Charlottetown version. Oh, yeah. If anyone knows anything about this. Or saw it. Or saw it. Let us uh, let us know. Reach out. I would be so fascinated to know a little bit more about Rockabye Hamlet slash Cronenberg 776 or whatever. <laughs> 1776. <laughs> Let's bring it back to Hamilton, yeah. everybody. Slash something's rockin' and dead. Oh, that's right. Um, <laughs> Which is what's, so a, what's a Lin-Manuel Miranda lyric that we can use for Rockabye Hamlet? I, I don't know. I don't have one either. Well. I don't have one either. It's okay. Yeah. It'll come to Hamilton. I, I don't know. Well, that's good. Yeah. No, it's not. Don't patronize me. <laughs> <laughs> Alexander Hamlet. Oh. My name is Alexander Hamlet. No. No, that's no good. <laughs> we don't like that one. I'm pretty sure his first and last name is just Hamlet, so he's Hamlet Hamlet. Hamlet Hamlet. <laughs> what's, the, what's the actual number? 1582. Kronberg. 1582. There you go. That's you know how they better. do that thing at the, yeah. Yes. He is yeah. not going to kill his uncle. <laughs> <laughs> we did it. We made three well, there you go. references. Oh, and would you, you revive or let it dive? Revive. Yes. Yeah. I let's agree. bring it back again and again. I'm not the first one that thought we should revive it. I'm like, Apparently yes. not. 
<laughs> yes, let's do this. Let's make a rock version of Hamlet with emo love songs. I am into it. Yeah, that's the only idea. reason I'm hesitant is because Charlottetown went for it. You know what I mean? And like went for it and recently went for like the let's find the Canadian musicals and like let's ride the Canadian musical boom mm-hmm. that um, Drowsy started and Come From Away really took to the top. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And nothing happened. Okay, but we've since had a pandemic. That's mm. true. That was 2017. And yeah. Yeah. I wonder if collectively we're after something else now. We're yeah. on, we sure. might, ha- you know, as a society, we've all yeah. changed a lot. And maybe we're, we'd be more open to it now. And also, yeah. I want to know what Fair the enough. Rosencrantz and Guildenstern boogie is. It's, oh, I, I want to guarantee it's the Act 2 tap number, but hey. It's the Act 2 tap number. <laughs> in my show, it is. And these two <laughs> people that we haven't seen for the entire show who are Hamlin's college buddies just come on stage and are like, And yeah. they just do a time step over yes. and over. And then someone just sings, hey. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they tap off stage. There's something in my ear. He got it in the ear. There's something. Yeah. <laughs> Get that thing out of my ear. I'm excited by this play. <laughs> so if we were going to rank these from top to bottom, I like I like this format. This Ooh, is a lot more fun because yeah. I had no idea. I had no opinion on the other two going I in. I know. It's and I nice. very have quickly formed opinions. <laughs> it seems like best is 70 Girls 70, then Rockabye Hamlet. Yep. Then Home Sweet Home. Oh, yeah. I agree. <laughs> yeah. I agree yeah, with I agree that with ranking that. system. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I would say we could probably revive those first two without even a thought. And Let's then do we... them in rep, baby. Yeah, like. Yeah, one night is Rock by Hamlet, one night is. 70 girl 70. Yeah, let's, <laughs> let's take this let's take this off mic because we're we're getting Great. into a business discussion now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining us for another round of Revive or Die. We're gonna be back next time with can I say what we're doing what we're hoping to do next time? Well you could, but isn't it kind of taboo? <gasps> what a funny, what a funny drop. Daphne Finlayson, producer <laughs> Daph just did there. Cause we're hoping to look at taboo with a very special guest. Someone else from I guess you would say someone else from the old days. It feels yeah. weird to say that now because she still remains a very good friend of ours. We're going to do Taboo with very special guest Tatiana Carnavalli. Woohoo! We're going to talk about Taboo, which Tad is obsessed with. I know Taboo mainly from that documentary about the um, 2006 Tony Awards race, 2007 Tony Awards race. I can't remember which one, where it's this documentary they started making following three shows that were the three front runners for um, the best musical Tony. How did I not know Avenue about Q, this? Wicked, and Taboo. And uh, it ends up being a very fascinating story where it looked like Wicked was the front runner to take it. Mm-hmm. And then obviously Avenue Q took it and Taboo just kind of gets shunted to the side in this mm-hmm. documentary. Ugh. We'll talk a lot more about that on that episode. OMG. Join us next time. And until then, keep fit and have fun and get it in the ear. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> Hi, everyone. This is producer Daphne speaking. Thank you all so much for listening to Monkeys and Playbills, the show where we take a look at Broadway musicals that had 100 performances or fewer before closing. To learn more about the show, you can follow us on Instagram at monkeysandplaybillspod, on Twitter at monkeyplaybills, or email us at monkeysandplaybillspod at gmail.com. You can also support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash monkeysandplaybills. Super exciting. We now have merch available. Visit spring.com and search monkeys and playbills to find mugs, t-shirts, hoodies, and more designs coming soon. Monkeys and Playbills is proud to be a Village Conservatory for Music Theater podcast. 
Original music for the show is provided by Paul DeGers, and the show is produced and edited by Daphne Finlayson. Thank you all so much for listening, and join us next week where we take on Taboo. Also, fun fact, we actually have a really fun and exciting announcement coming up. There may be some new podcasts joining the Village Conservatory family, and we can't wait to tell you all about them. Stay tuned on social media for more details.